0: welcome to the hype it up show the podcast where we explore the youtubers entrepreneurship and all things hype worthy i'm your host what a funk and i'm here excited to share with you guys stories and insights from some of the most talented and innovative minds of the in the industry so today we have the holy black the holy black are some awesome people that i've known for a while now and i've wanted them to have have them on the show for a while now. So guys, welcome the Holy Black here. Uh let's start. We we'll get right into it. Who are you guys?
1: <laughs> uh I'm Stefan. I'm Matt. And uh yeah, we're the owners of the Holy Black.
0: So what is the Holy Black for the people who are watching and and might not know?
1: So, the Holy
2: Black is a, a men's grooming company. We uh we sell products to barbershops all over the country. We also have the barbershop here in our hometown and um I guess, like, I hate to use the word lifestyle brand, but we have a, a brand and, and a following that's kind of curated around a bunch of like, like-minded like people and just did a bunch of the same hobbies.
0: And are you guys are brothers, right? Yeah, we are. Um, so what is, what is your roles as brothers in the company? Do you have different roles, or is it something <laughs> that you both work together on? I'd like to know about that first.
1: I mean, we pretty much work together on... I'd say almost everything like is a is a joint kind of uh process but like I handle a lot of the the art stuff and the computer stuff you know like the technical stuff and and uh, like digital art and stuff like that and then he handles a lot of the um i guess events and talking to you know part, relations with our customers and with our, he handles all the social media that type of stuff so it's um, he's like the more the front, front facing and I'm like in the office, you know, kind of hiding in the dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, how did you guys get the name The Holy Black? First and foremost,
1: you want me to take that one? <laughs> I'll take that one. Um, so I was the, the whole the whole thing is I was working for like Table Vision. This is what we doing this for like 13 years, 12 years. um, And I decided I wanted to start my own brand and it was uh you know i wanted to do something in the wet shaving world because i was really into like old uh straight razors and it was like kind of a little hobby and i decided i wanted to do something with like a cool theme to it and i was like racking my brain racking my brain and there's a saying in like guys who shoot like cowboy action shooting or like old school um target shooting with like the you know with like the old uh shotguns black powder pistols that type of stuff they could you know when they shoot the old school black powder they call it the holy black and like there's all these new black powders called like pyrodex, and they're like cleaner and easier to use but the guys who are like super traditional and do it the old school like og way they call it oh i only shoot the holy black and i had like heard that term before and i thought it was like the coolest thing and when i googled it like nothing came up it came up in like very small forums and like it was just it was a it, it immediately grabbed my attention it was something that i could make my own that like when you googled it nothing else came up and i just thought it sounded like really cool and like you know when you mix it with the kind of branding that we do like that old late 1890s like black and white and um you know when you walk around with the holy black on your chest like when we first made the first t-shirt people would come up to us like what is that? Is that a religion? What is that? Like, a lot of questions about what it was. And it just kind of, it just felt like it was, like, I wrote it down in the middle of the night. Like, I was like, that's what I'm doing. And, like, and then uh, it just kind of stuck. And a lot of people, like, wanted to come to us with, like, deals and stuff. Like, yeah, but we're really, you think about changing the name, because it's a little, I was like, no, we're keeping the name.
2: <laughs> and there's something about those two words. Both those words are, like, trigger words. Like, holy and black. And they're, like, two words that, like, really stand out but it's never really been put together you know what i mean so especially in like the like search engine optimization world where like those two things are like just never put together and really highly searched you know what i mean
0: yeah i really i really love the name um when i first i first met you guys it was at um at a motorcycle event actually it was at i believe it was at I i was following you guys before that but i first met you guys at uh, at moto, at moto jam yep, yeah that's exactly yeah. what that's, that's at, event. at moto jam that's where i met that's where i met you guys in person for the first time after following you for a while uh when did when did the holy black start
1: so i started about 12 years ago but then what happened was i got so overwhelmed with this whole like it just got so busy that maddie came on board what 10 oh, 10 years ago mm-hmm. I think I was only doing it for two or three years. I think it was like 2014, 2015. Yeah. So yeah, we've been around for about ten years, like full force.
0: So you so what inspired you to actually take the leap and start the brand? Like you said you were into like wet shaving and stuff like that, but may, what made you want to start the brand? Well,
1: I hated my job. Really <laughs> the main the main thing. I hated my job. So I would like I would literally just read books on e commerce and like, you know, passive income. You know all the books you read? Like one of the ones that really stood out to me though was like four hour work week. When I read four hour work week from Tim Ferriss, I was like, is this possible? Is this doable? And a lot of the stuff in that book now is outdated. And, but at the time when I read it, I was like, I think I could do this, you know. And and I really started just making like aftershave for my friends and family for like Christmas gifts. And then like people wanted like refills and then people wanted to buy them off me. And then I I opened an Etsy shop and I couldn't keep anything in stock. And I said, all right, let's, let's go full force on this like four hour work week style thing. And I completely went off the rails based on his recommendation. Like, you know, he's like, pick one product, only do this. Don't get involved personally in the brand, you know? And like we broke all the rules doing that, but we're, it just was like so much fun to like, to take like a, like what you're doing for fun and bringing it into the brand. And, you know, it just, you got kind of spiral out of control. And that's again, why, you know, when I brought Maddie and he's like, let's pull this thing. I was trying to like make side money, you know, like make enough money to like support myself and just kind of chill. And Maddie's like, let's blow this thing out of the water. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. We're going to hit the national shows. I was like, Holy shit. I don't <laughs> know if I'm ready for this. You know what I mean? So, you know, we got to pour a little gas on it.
2: So just to give you an idea to kind of like paint the picture of like when it all first started like stefan's been like a crazy creative hobbyist like since he's a little kid always like building stuff in like our mom's basement and making fucking movie prototypes and you know really just like like above and beyond like just creativity and i've always had small businesses and stuff like that And when i saw him kind of exploding and starting to get overwhelmed but he was like like, I almost he, shut it down. I was like, I can't do this. He got to the point. He was like, like, I, I don't want I can't handle all this. You know what I mean? At the time I owned a music studio and I moved him into one of my like smallest rooms. It was like a ten by ten music studio. Was, yeah, like, I was literally in my mother's basement yeah, doing this like for the first year. Hmm. And then um he moved in and we kind of joined forces and it was just me and him. I had my phone, he had a laptop. We had like a, a little like shelf of like twelve products behind us, and, and like we board. would like clap hands every time we got a sale, you know what I mean? And like we just that stood in that studio for like three years straight, and every time like like I would rent that room, we'd take our shit up, we'd move into another room, to another room, to the point we got like I built another studio, and then half the studio was for making music, and that paid for our space, so we had like free space to work out of, and then we got to the spot where we rented out our space, and we were able to take over the warehouse next door, and the studio paid the money, so we kind of always like just finding a way to like grassroots build this business like we literally never had any investments we started this business like a thousand bucks like you know what i mean and just like slowly did whatever we had in our network and like at our fingertips to kind of like make it work until the point where it was self-sufficient and like but just that whole like
1: grind all the way up there was really like the best part like i mean (laughs) we're we're still having a good we're still doing that same thing like we we still try And do everything our, as much as we can ourselves, as you know, and try and keep it in-house because you, you that's the only way to keep the quality up on a lot of things, you know. And you got to kind of pick your battles on what you farm out and what you do yourself, you know. That's
2: why it's funny before you're like, which you guys have individual tasks, like we do all the tasks, right? like <laughs> mean, from concept to shipping, like all the way through. Um, it's been like that for a long time, but
1: we enjoy it that way, yeah. If I wasn't having a good time, we would do something else,
0: yeah. So that I was actually just about to ask you guys about. You know, doing everything yourself. So I want to know, like, why? Like, why is it the, why is it so important to you guys to do it all? Do it yourself. Like, why is that okay. important to you?
1: I feel like we've tried certain things. We're like, you know what? I really don't want to do the shipping. You know, and for years, for for what three or four years, we had a warehouse. where We would send the product directly to the warehouse, and when the order came in, they would ship it out. But you know what? They, they didn't put in like the extras, we like to throw in extras. We know the cus like I when I see orders come in, I know almost, you know, all my customers' names, especially like the ones that are always ordering. And I'm like, oh, you know what, that guy, we gotta hook him up. Or, you know, it, we just wanted to be able to like one day say, hey, you know what, today, if you order, we're gonna throw in a free uh this. And like, we couldn't do that when you have someone else handling your shipping, you know? And like with making the products, You know, a lot of our media comes from, like, when we do the limited edition products, like, I guess I could order stuff from China and boxes and, you know, and have everything, like, but, like, the whole way we grew is by showing people what we're doing, right? Like, when they get to see us formulating, get to see us designing it, get to see us printing it, uh, filling the bottles, shipping it, and, like, you know, they get to see it all the way till it shows up at their house, and then they get to have the experience when it shows up.
2: You know and there's like a, there's like a fine line with that too because like you know being a good business owner it's so important to know how to delegate and know what your strengths are and know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing and a lot of times especially in the beginning like all the things you shouldn't be doing you need to do them first to really understand them and to be able to be able to teach them the right way to other people on how to do them but like it's important that like you learn on the way up how your whole business operates and then you know what to delegate and then you know what to pick that is your strength what to work on and like so like there are products that we used to make and it didn't make any sense for us to make like it's literally two ingredients mixed in a bottle and that scale like it takes up all of our time you know what i mean but there's certain products that you can't make at mass manufactured and that's what we pride ourselves on that's why we make it here and like so it's just a, a very important balance that you need to, a lot of business owners um, have are like control freaks and they need to have their hands and everything, but it just hinders growth and you can't grow that way. So like, again, it's important to do be hands-on, but it's also important to know how to delegate.
1: Yeah. Also we use, we use freelancers for a lot of the boring stuff, you know, and you know, you know, we have someone that, that does the shipping. Like you know, we can't be doing shipping all day. because be, That's a full day job, you know, but, that person's in house now instead of outside. I'm like you just gotta pick your battles with that stuff, you know.
0: Yeah. So I want to know, like, from the very beginning, what? How did you start to grow the the customer base? You guys have, you know, repeat customers doing limited edition drops, sell out in seconds. How'd you How'd you guys grow it to this point? How'd you start the customers? Like, where did that all start from? How did that start? I think.
1: I think to the beginning. One of my biggest growth factors was on Reddit. I was in like one of those subreddits that's super tight niche. It was all wet shavers, people into, and I was making aftershaves and shaving soaps that were kind of outside the norm fragrance wise. Like everything was like lavender and uh, sandalwood, and and I was doing like gunpowder spice and uh, you know you know smoke and smoke and pine and like things that just hadn't really been done in the in the in fragrances for soaps and aftershaves and and I got kind of like a cult following. And then when Maddie once Maddie came on board, it was like like my Instagram had like 50 posts on it when he showed up because that was enough to keep me so busy I couldn't even go further than that. And when he came on board it was like okay, Facebook, Instagram, let's grow them. And it was at the time when you could grow them organically by just you know, we were doing giveaways. He does loop giveaways with like a bunch of different vendors. You know, um, just making as much media. We had box visuals too, uh, making media with us. And he was on the payroll pretty much. He was with us every single day. And we tried everything, you know, we did everything from daily blogging to um, you know, shorts and skits, and we were just putting out as much media as possible. And as, you know, we we're doing a lot of the photography ourselves back then, and then we make friends with photographers and, and do things in trade. We also go to every tattoo convention in the country. Travel the country doing that, and just, yeah, that's the whole other really, side of
2: it. Is, is really like guerrilla, like getting out there with a with a backpack on and your samples and your gear and your card and going out to these shows. Like we used to go out to all the big hair conventions before we could even afford tickets to get in. Yeah, we'd, we'd sneak into we'd them, sneak in with backpacks
1: and samples, and we'd go and we'd be hitting every single person in there. And, and actually, be- Maddie was gangster. We 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 did a couple of these shows, one in Manhattan, one in Chicago, where we snuck in and we brought what a thousand flyers and we brought a bunch of good-looking friends that are better looking than us and they we sent them out and they gave all the girls at the hair convention now there's a hundred thousand people these hair conventions flyers with pictures of like all the famous hairdressers saying they're going to be at this party tonight and then we're having a huge party come meet all these people and then we would like later ask those people like yo come to our party it's free we got a limo (laughs) for you and then we would go find a bar in that town And like, listen, it's a Monday night because Monday is when they have these shows, because that's when hairdressers don't work. And he he would get them to give let us keep the door money and let them keep the bar. And we would bring like a thousand people until there was a line out the door. I mean, I'm sure you have a couple things you want (laughs) to say about because those parties and these videos on YouTube, these parties and we slapped them together in a, you know, in Chicago in one night and like totally guerrilla marketed to the point where like people were getting in trouble for showing up to our parties. Because like, they were sponsored by other bigger companies, you know.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Um, so, like, you guys seem like you've always been hustlers. Is that something that is like in your family? Uh, I have a question, actually. <laughs> yeah. Who is Big Al? Big Al.
1: Big Al. <laughs> Big Al is our grandfather on my father's side. He was. Uh, he was a barber. His brother was a barber. They owned barbershops in in uh, they owned a barbershop in Brooklyn. He actually worked for Ford on the assembly line uh, when we were kids, and uh, he's got kind of, him, him. Both of our grandfathers were were like gangsters, you know what I mean? Like my my other grandfather was a tailor on my mother's side, and uh, you know my mother's a hairdresser. My father was a barber. My uncle was a barber. Like we got we're in that that industry, so like that's how we ended up getting into. Like when I inherited Big Al straight razors, I started sharpening them. And that's what got me into the straight razor shaving. And that's how I found that whole thing. So, like, we have like, you know, paintings of him hanging in the office. And, like, you know, uh, what do we do? I love that he just even knows. Yeah, he didn't even know who Big Al is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I did Um, a little research.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a grandfather on my father's side, and he was a G.
0: Yeah, it's like
1: barber's license hanging up in the barbershop and stuff, you know. But yeah, to answer our question,
2: our father's side of the family are all hustlers. All of them, yeah. they all own the restaurants, rest- yeah. and, and they still do. And it's just, that's, and that's in my blood. That's literally like, that's my drug. You know what I mean? Like, that's, the entrepreneurship is what keeps me going. Like, that that whole, like, thought process
1: is, like, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, like now he was the kid in high school that sold candy bars out of a backpack, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you want candy bars? And then, like, he's owned, like, chimney businesses and uh, and music studios and, like, coffee trucks. And, like, he's always been hustling. And I've always just want to make weird shit. And then he's always come in the room be like, I, that thing's really cool that you made. But, like, how do you make money on that? I'm like, no, I'm just making this for my friend. Or, I'm making it for fun. I'm like, just seeing if I could do it. And he's like, no, try and make money with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I would always work like a regular job and just be happy, and then come home and like make weird shit on my kitchen table. You know?
0: Yeah. Um. So I want you guys do a lot of like themed fragrances and themed products. What's like, like, what's like the idea behind that? Like, how how do you guys approach those projects?
1: I mean, my my whole thing is I want when the product shows up to your house I want it to be like an experience we want you to like say this is amazing I'll open it up it lights up it plays music and smoke comes out of it whatever it is like I want it to feel like a really cool experience when you get it and also those limited projects that we do they're always in like glass or porcelain or wood and I want them to be like our whole thing is we want them to be heirloom quality like I want these to be the 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 antiques of tomorrow like everything today is like throw it in the garbage when you're done with it or you know like when it breaks throw it out and like now i want to make stuff that like when i make a bore, bore hand bore brush uh, you know like that's something i have my grandfather's boar brushes and his badger brushes like i want us to make stuff that you know you don't throw it away when you're done with it you you know put something else in it or you give it to somebody or you pass it down in your family and like it's really important to make heirloom quality like experiences for the customer and like that's our whole thing and, and to be
2: honest it's like it's such a rip doing it like be able to come up with like a like we get together and when we start think brainstorming like we have in our calendar we have special days we dedicate just to like the second half of the day but we just brainstorm limited edition ideas and it's one of our favorite things to do because we 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 hang out and we we have a book full of them. <laughs> and we come up with all these ideas but then the ideas turn to designs so and then designs help us think of the fragrance and then we go into the lab, we start mixing things and then we start working on them. And like to come up with an idea and then watch it develop into a physical product and then have something that people want to actually buy. Like the the whole the whole process of that is just like addicting. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's where like it's, a, adrenaline, it's where all of our passion comes out. But like you can't mass produce that stuff. So you can't do anything that at scale. So we have all of our regular products that we sell to the general public at scale. But like to get out that creativity side of us it gives us that outlet to like latch on to something do something really cool make something awesome and like the whole process is fun and then like we able to make media of us doing the whole process so that doubles as a, a marketing standpoint and then at the end you have a product
1: that you're able to sell like it's just honestly honestly like you know we don't make like we don't make the margins obviously on the, those limited edition products you know the whole thing is like if we can break even on this or even make a few bucks it's worth the whole, because we make the media. We get the media of it. You get to see it. And you also, like, I'll see, like, old, I'll go to, like, antique shops, and I'll see something. I'm like, oh, we could make something like that. And then it just goes in that, like, bank. like, And then you, you kind of, it like, niggles at you until you kind of, like, you're like, I got to make that thing that I saw. Like, those dice cages that we re- did recently. So those brass dice cages are, you know, we found an antique one of those one time. There's and, we like, we that, haven't right? stopped talking about it. I'm like, how can we do it? And we got together one day and we like, all right, how can we make this so I can make at least a couple hundred of them? You know what I mean? And like, you know, the original ones were very fiddly and very, a lot of work to put them together, but the design we came up with, which let us kind of skip a few steps. It was really, it was really worth the the effort at the end of the day. And, you know, I, we only said we sold maybe a hundred of them, you know what I mean? But it was so fun, like figuring it out, coming up with the design. And then when they're done, they look exactly like you pictured in your head. Like, I get off on that shit. So when you're stuff.
0: so when you're doing the limited edition like um drops, what comes first is it like is, do you think of the fragrance first? Do you think of like the is it like an all together idea? Like how does it how does that process work for you guys?
1: It it depends. Sometimes we see a piece of ephemera from like the 1890s from an old bottle and it's like, "Oh, we could do something with that." Or sometimes you smell something like I order I order fragrances like I would fragrance oils and aroma chemicals and things like that. And whenever I order them, I also order like little tiny samples of other stuff I want to smell. So Sometimes something comes in the mail and I, I bring it to him. I'm like, you smell that? Like that Durban poison that we just did was something where we always wanted to do a cannabis fragrance, but there was no way that we could come up with to do it. And then we started messing around with um, mm-hmm. terpenes and then also mixing aroma chemicals in there to get those like those dank, fragrances and things like that and we came up with something that smelled so good that we were going to make an aftershave and i had the whole design done and everything and when we smell them like this needs to be a fragrance you know we changed the whole thing in the middle so it, it really depends on the product because it's they're just little tiny ideas and then when you start talking about them and you really start exploring what you could do with them you know and you have you know another person to bounce the ideas off of they 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 evolve and they change. Sometimes they change right up to the last minute. You know what I mean? So you never know where the inspiration is going to come.
0: What, why do you think the details are so important? You guys are very detailed down to, like, the very fine detail. Why do you think that's so important?
2: I mean, details, to me, details are literally everything. Every, like, you know what I mean? It's, um, the big picture is only so cool if it's built up in really cool details. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just mediocre at best. You know, and like, the the thing is,
1: if you skip over on if you skimp on the the little the little things, it it shows in the overall product. Like when I started the company, I said, I'm never going to go to plastic bottles. I'm never going to go to printed bottles. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And because that dilutes. Like when I started, it was hand cut labels and glass bottles. But like, you can't scale like that. So allowing us to do the limited editions lets us continue to like you know, stain all the labels with tea and like do all those processes that really, I don't know, it's just important that when you get it in your hand, I want it to feel like it's been on a shelf for a hundred years. And like, like sometimes we, some of the products, we put dust in the boxes. And like, I want it to really feel like something that you would have gotten a hundred years ago. Like when things had to be made in glass and with corks and wax seals and, you know, the ribbons and the, you know, all those things matter i think if it, if it was structured differently
2: where we were doing these products for just to make money then we would have to skimp out on all those things but the way we stay focused on doing it is like we want it to be done to be a piece of art like we wanted to go all the way through and just make sure we stay within our budget like you know what i mean but like at the same time like we're not trying to just mass produce them we're trying to make something that is truly special and handcrafted like that's the actual goal like you know what i mean
0: yeah so the your the holy black is like very well uh branded very well branded is that something that is thought out or is that something that just comes naturally to you guys what what how is it so branded so well
2: i i think the most important part when building a brand and this is that i've learned but the is that if you actually build the brand based around what you're actually interested in instead of trying to create a fake lifestyle like you actually live the lifestyle that you're trying to promote it becomes very easy and the brand kind of builds itself like you know what i mean it just it does that make sense
1: yeah yeah i think that like when you're you're into we're into like old cars the thing is maddie's really into like 19 what like i'd say 1920s to 40s like Oil and gas memorabilia, hot rods, that type of stuff, and I'm really into like 1890s to 1920s, like Victorian. So you can see, like, the office is Victorian, and then like outside over there is all h- hot rods and oil and gas. And like over the time that we've been like kind of doing this, we both have kind of met in the middle on the stuff that we both like, and and that's pretty much where all the branding comes from. I like the early stuff. He likes the later stuff. And like anywhere from 1890 to 1940 is all up for grabs for our aesthetic and then as far as the actual branding like you know even the the logo like the arrow and the cross and all that that comes from an old defunct um what defunct um (laughs) straight razor company from like early 1800s called wade and butcher that went out of business in like the 20s and their logo is that circle with just a b in it with the arrow and the cross and for some reason, I saw it on a t-shirt one time, like from this ner- like shave nerd website. And I was like, that is the coolest brand, like trademark brand I've ever seen. And I like, I started, like I adopted it pretty much because the company has been defunct for years. And I started putting it on shirts and everywhere I went, people would ask me, what is that si- signal? What is that? And like, I know when I saw it for the first time on an old razor, I was like, that's the coolest thing with the, with the St. Charles cross. And like, it was like a guttural like something that like i felt it when i saw it and it just we put it on everything now and like the branding the actual like marks and brand we have a lot of different like thbs and you know they're all different styles but you know the, the arrow and the cross are our main one but we have a lot of them that we use for the like the brotherhood stuff and and we it's always there there's always we brand everything there's something I, about it
2: too like i thought it was just me because my brand i had on my big freaking van so like Everybody would ask you about it, but like anytime I give someone a T-shirt, they're like people come up to me all the time, they—I they, guess it's like the holy black. People need to know it. When I used to drive my van, I couldn't get out of my truck. People just needed to know. They were like, "Are you a biker gang? Are you a band? Are you like what? Are, what? Are, what are you? you know what I mean? Like they just need to know. There's something about it that uh, is definitely contagious.
0: I want to know uh, what is it like working with your family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be honest, like like you said, I've owned. A bunch of businesses in the past. I started out with partners and then I realized early on that partners is like the worst thing you could possibly do in general. Like, that's just the bold statement, but it's true. Partners suck. And then, um, after that, um, I would I had solo missions for such a long time. And like, if there was one person in the world that I would be partners with, it's my brother, and the only, literally, the only person. So, like,
1: obviously, like, we're in the same office here every single day yeah we literally enough. like share that we have one giant desk that we share like we have the same what we share an office i just feel like like the the most the thing is like he's got skills we're like the same person that's the thing we're like the same person at the base. you know it's and completely different all the that. downsides the <laughs> upsides they're all the same but he has skills that i don't have and i have skills that he don't have and it's just such a good partnership because he does all the stuff I don't want to do, and I do all the stuff he don't want to do. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, if there was an issue, you know, like I'll give him the whole company. I don't yeah, give a yeah. shit. That's the thing. We'll is, do like, it again. Month something like, else.
2: What happens with partners is like money's where it always gets funny. You know what I mean? I don't give a shit. And man. like with us, like, like it's not what we're not going tit for tat and like you did this i did this like we're just both living we're living off the company we're both able to live off the company we're enjoying ourselves like we look at each other at least once a week and like damn this is fun right like you know what i mean like we're just having such a good time that like if this was like some real grind work or we were just doing paperwork and like you know eventually it would get sour but like it's just we just can't and the thing is it's nothing's consistent like every week we come in here we're doing something completely different so it's really like we're just chilling all the time and like he stays in his lane i stay in my lane and like i use his advice he uses my advice and like i I don't know i think we have a really good um system but um
1: i think that the the company itself the way we structured it even at the beginning was it's not structured to make us into billionaires we're not trying to sell the company to a big company we're not trying to you know put our stuff in walmart like we're we're trying to make enough money where both of us can live comfortably, enjoy our lives. But most importantly is that doing this has to be so fun. It has to be like we get to get old cars and work on them with our friends. And we like It allows us to do the things we want to do all the time. You know, obviously there's a lot of work involved, but like, you know, when we do these little editions, like 20 of our friends come over and help us. You know what I mean? We order pizzas and like when we do, uh, you know, those live game shows, every all our friends come and like, we have them in the studio or like it's just like how much fun can we have and still like you know make mo- enough money to live you know what i mean yeah and obviously everybody wants to you know i would love for the whole thing to blow up and be the biggest thing but for us it's really important that we keep it grassroots that we keep it real and like i don't know i just like it needs to be fun and it needs to make money that's all that really matters
2: and honestly like if you do it that way I feel like you have a better chances of, you know, gaining a lot of exposure and doing all the right when you're staying authentic authentic. and like you're really just building something that's real. And I think people could could they could feel that. You know what I mean?
0: Definitely. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to everybody who's watching live right now. You guys can ask the Holy Black a question. There's a form that's pinned comment. You can ask them a question and we'll be answering your questions at the end. So everyone could ask a question who's watching right now. Thank you so much, everybody who's tuned in. Um so I wanted to ask you guys, so like I'm sure every day is like different. Like you you know, I you know, running a running a business every day is like a different thing. So like what's the day in the life like for each of you? Is it like you do is it something you have like scheduled the night before? Like, all right, so this day I'm gonna do this, that like what's the day in the life? I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, so um, we have a pretty tight schedule. Um, I don't know if you call it tight, loose sometimes. <laughs> but we, we, have, we have everything nailed down to literally like the half hour. Uh, we have, so like, and we're both completely different, you know what I mean? Where he comes in in the morning, I shoot, I hit the barbershop, I come back here, we have a daily meeting about the holy black, and my, we go to our daily tasks. But like, one of the things that we do that I think caught on that works really well is we give each day a theme. So, like, you know, Mondays sales, Tuesdays, marketing, Wednesdays media, like, you know what I mean? And um, you know, we have two late nights, Tuesdays and Thursdays, where we get here at 8 a.m. we don't leave till eight PM. And um we're lucky. <laughs> so, so those days have two separate themes. You know what I mean? And there's like one we do maintenance, one we do limited edition discussions, like one we do brotherhood. There's a different theme for everything. So every day we have our daily tasks where like we have a list that we constantly work off of that we both have our own task list. He has his, I have mine, we work on it on our task section. And then we just, a lot of times we have to put out fires. There's all, every day something comes up or some, something needs to get done. Or if someone's got to run somewhere, so shit gets, gets funky sometimes. But we try to just always revert back to that and always make sure every single day you touch on that task. Yeah. So like no matter what, if today's sales and you were running around all day long, you know what I mean? That last hour of work, you sit down and you do sales. And then like each one of those tasks gets broken down into like those sales and, hundreds of different ways to do sales like he could do sales a certain way i could do sales a hundred different ways you know what i mean so we break them down and try and spread it out and um like i said you, you never really i i personally we can't we, we're not like regiment type people where you know you you're in the same spot at the same time every single day we're all over the place
1: all the time but we try to have like controlled chaos you know yeah that's why the theme is important so it's like okay i know what i'm you know within my theme within my sales theme i have a list of a hundred different types of sales we want to run or his sales thing is contacting barbershops and doing doing uh pr and stuff contacting our customers like this we have different tasks on both of those uh on the same theme and another thing that's really important to us is that we we started bullet journaling a couple years ago where every day we keep we keep these little black notebooks and every day we schedule our whole day out down to the half hour um with a list of to-dos and all that stuff And it's really important that we, like, if we start falling off on not journaling every single day, like, and not scheduling every day, then everything falls apart. So you always have to, we always come back to the most important thing every single day before you do anything else is to get your schedule on paper for the day and just try to adhere to it as close as you can. There's a lot of moving parts to the holy black to be honest. our beast mode
0: we call yeah. it beast mode <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> love it i love it that's some great tips for anybody out there who's yeah. trying I mean, to try know, and do their own the thing
1: beast, the, the beast mode is a really cool thing to touch on i won't give you the whole like breakdown but pretty much it's like a competition that me and him have there's a prize there's amount of prize money at the end of the year that we have and every day you have to do certain things you have to be here on time you have to be up and at the gym you have to be you have to uh whatever there's uh, there's like 12 tasks that have to get done every single day um and some of them are simple some of them are as easy as being on time and if you get all those tasks you get a little gold star on our uh on our our That's little kid cow. calendar and um and if you get if you get at least 4 out of the 5 days of the week you you keep your money for the week and if you don't get 4 days you miss more than one day then you lose two hundred dollars a week or whatever it is and at the end of the year that's where you get your bonus so the other thing is if the other guy misses two days and i get a full five days i take his money that week so it's like a a little friendly competition and we do it every year and uh, you know we have like a cup a little silver cup that you win like an (laughs) old, old trophy from the 1800s and like you know it's just a it's just a good way to keep each other motivated
2: and it's a fun way to keep each other accountable and like give yourself a little um a little prize at the end of the, at the end of it, you know.
0: I like that. It's a good way to hype each other up and keep keep each other focused. I like that. uh Talking about motivation, like how do you stay motivated as an entrepreneur? You know, because like there's always like doing an entrepreneur is pretty much like you're saying, like putting out fires every day. Like how do you stay motivated during you know having to do that every day? I think it's
2: natural, just like human nature, to kind of go in waves where there's points where you're super hype and you can't wait to get to work and at times you get into slumps where you're like what am I doing like you know what I mean but to be honest like especially for us I feel like it's kind of easy to stay motivated because like we're so passionate about what we're doing like if we were selling widgets and like something that had enough like no meat behind it I would I would get unmotivated extremely fast like you know what I mean if I'm not, if I'm not fully like passionate and 100% in it, I lose all motivation. I've been like that forever. Like soon as I check out of something, like I'm I'm done, like I'm, like that day. So like the fact that like we like enjoy, like Monday is my favorite day. I, I can't wait to get back to work. Like there's two things I do. I do like my family and my business. Like on the weekend, it's I'm like all family. I, I don't even look at my phone. And then like Monday comes and I'm like, let's go. You know what I mean? And like, it's just a, a like, new opportunity. I don't know. It's just, For me it's easy to stay motivated i I just i I love the journey so so much
1: there's nowhere that i'd rather be than here like i go home and i'm like like i have we have all of our stuff here you know what i mean like this we we like i said it's a it's our warehouse but it's also like our clubhouse and it's also our kind of hangout where we can hang out with our friends and like all our all our toys are here and like we got a pinball machine you know like we make it a fun place to work like I worked when I worked at Cablevision, they had like a ping pong table in the break room. You know what I mean? And then they 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 upgraded and they they shrunk everything and they got rid of the And like that little thing really made people happy. And when they took it away, it was like you realize how important it is to like have a, a workspace that like if I need to take a break, I will go take a break. And the other and like I don't have to go anywhere to take a break. You know what I mean? So it's important to have a space that you that you like to spend your time in too, you know? I feel like that's really important.
0: Definitely. Do you guys remember the moment that you were like, all right, the Holy Black is what we're gonna do now. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, this yeah. is like, yeah. the like. can you tell me about that moment? Tell us about the moment.
2: I, I remember sitting in the parking lot of my music studio and having the conversation with him and he was explaining to me what was going on with him. Like we were saying earlier, being overwhelmed with all the, well, the orders and everything like that and we discussed like it'd be much easier because like he got to the point where he was like backlogged with orders like trying to keep up with everything and it got to the point where it would have been easier to shut it down and start over but as the more we talked about it, the more we like we were so passionate about the actual company that like we decided to like move forward and from that point forward we literally never looked back like it was like you ready to go we're going to do this yeah yeah and then like the it's next day, every day, the next day, we got into the office and we just never ever looked back. Literally from like day one, you know what I mean? It's just like, because that's the thing. It's like you're at the point, you know. Especially I've had a, a couple businesses leading up to it, so like I knew what I was looking for as far as like business wise, and like I wouldn't dive into anything that I wasn't a hundred. Like there's no time for to mess around type of thing, you know what I mean? So once we made that decision, I mean, I don't think we ever looked back ever since.
1: No, it's been
0: <clears throat> uh, that's amazing so you guys recently opened a, a barbershop was that always part of the goal or is no, that no. something that I, we, just we, happened we we're to... trying not
1: <laughs> we're trying not to open a barbershop but like you know like as a kid my dad had a barber chair in the garage and like my mom ended up like selling it at a garage sale or something and like all my life I'm like, i wish i had i always wanted a barber chair like i always want a bar now it's like we had to open this barbershop, though. You got to understand, like, it was all, like, what do they call that? Serendipity? Like, our friend owned the building, and the, the the business that was in it was going out of business. And our town, our hometown is, like, blowing up right now with restaurants and bars. And, it's like, it went from, like, a dead town to, like, one of the, the busiest places on Long Island. And we had a chance to open up a business on Main Street in our hometown. And we had a lot of barber chairs and we had all these like antiques and like, it was like one of our other friends who's a barber, he was leaving his barbershop that he owned. He was like uh, splitting with his partner or whatever and he had nowhere to cut hair and it was like, you know what, let's just do it. And uh, now I'm glad we did it because it's, it's like the coolest thing we ever built. It's it's an amazing place uh, it looks exactly like we pictured it in all the the drawings and the ideas and like it's just it's a dream come true to have like a showroom for our products and also have some of the best barbers in the country we have barbers that moved here from other states and like you know it's uh it's been amazing having having that shop it's like you got to
2: come see it it's literally something that we tried not to do so cuz we wanted to do it but we knew like we had an e-commerce business that we could literally run from our phone, bring a laptop, go anywhere, like brick and mortar is dead. Like, you know what I mean? And like, it, it made no sense to lock us in. But like, when it just, like you said, like it all kind of came together when the, the property came around, this corner brick building on our hometown, the barbers like just started coming out of nowhere and like trying to work with us. And like, it all just kind of happened. And then like, it just all fell right into place. Like, before, like I had the one barber and we we took over the property and it took about a year before time we got a building permit and did the whole you know from start to finish and throughout that year during COVID yeah throughout that year we were just uh, reaching out to the people we really wanted to work with and we started setting up barber chairs inside our warehouse and by the time we opened up we had six barbers already cutting out our warehouse and we just moved them into the barber shop and it was just like a smooth transition so it was something we didn't want to do, but yeah, I, I am happy that we did it. It's a, it's a lot though. You know, you don't when you're running a business and you add a whole extra business to what you're doing. <laughs> it like it, it really, really adds a lot to yeah. And MVP.
1: we also, we also have a, we also have a nonprofit with the club with the uh, Order of the Holy Black. That's like another business that we're we're running, and it's just like you got to stay focused on that, and you need help sometimes, you know. So we got a lot of people helping us out with a lot of things, you know
0: so that's actually something i wanted to ask you guys about how how do you find help like you know like you doing everything yourselves obviously at times and doing things you're gonna need help from from others how do you how do you find that help starting out i mean like
1: starting out it was just our friends and family like you know my 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 sister my brother-in-law my my his friends his his wife like everybody like we need help tonight like we have a big order to fill come down and help us and we'll buy you beers and pizza or, or or you know like whatever we could do and then eventually like you have to stop paying people when you have the money you know what I mean and uh it's not easy to you know you gotta that's why it's so important to grow organically because if you grow too fast before you have those plans made, then you end up making them that's pretty much what I did I grew too fast when I was just me you know what I mean and you gotta really be um what's the word um focus not just focus but you have to be uh, whatever sounds important. You, you have to be very uh, focused on where you're going next to make sure that you don't you don't overshoot goals and and uh, overdo it. I mean, we really tried to focus on building the
2: company, so we didn't need a lot of employees. Because really, like, and that's why the the barbershop like a little bit of a uh, like you threw in a monkey wrench right? because for that, like, you know, anyone could take a, a building, put a bunch of cool shit on the walls, but like the employees, the heart of the whole business, finding good people to work. And you can ask any single business owner and you ask them what's the hardest part of their business, they will find you, it's saying, they'll tell you that finding good work, good workers. You know what I mean? It's literally the hardest part and it's the whole business. You know what I mean? Like the the barbershop without a solid team. And like, I'm so, so particular about the people we put in there because like one person could fuck up the whole business, excuse me. Um, Mm -hmm. One person could really, You know like if you have a good vibe going and you have one person that's off it's like cancer it'll spread you know what i mean so it's really 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 hard and still to this day for the actual holy black as far as employees there's still people that are our friends that just work for us now you know we've never really we tried a few times like hiring and putting out ads stuff like that but the warehouse is like more than just a workspace for us you know so like you have to be someone like family you need to be family to be in have here. a key to come in here and do what you got to do you know what i mean so but we're at the point like we only have one like steady employee outside the two of us that we don't like besides the people like we outsource things to but like in-house there's only one person that does that makes stuff and ships stuff and does stuff around the shop and just kind of helps us and then um and honestly that that's the best way you can go. I tried to focus on that. And that's why I got to the music studios because it was just it was just me. And yeah. also that
1: four-hour work week was always like, you could do this but one person, like you can. But, you know, the most important thing is like, if you, you want to go away for a week with your family or you want to go on vacation, you, you know, and you're the only people that work there, you have to design the business around that. It's important, like, that you're able to do that. So like, I can do my whole job from a laptop as long as I'm not, you know, producing products. And he could do his whole job from a phone, really, you know what I mean? So um, besides production, which is something that, you know, we outsource some of it and we do make a lot of stuff in-house still, as long as we're not in the middle of a major project though, it ain't no thing to be able to just say, hey, I'm gonna be working from Starbucks or I'm gonna be working from, uh, I was in Philadelphia last weekend working, you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, it's important that you structure the business at the beginning, for how you want it to be in the future.
0: Yeah. So, I want to ask you what what separates not only like what separates your barbershop what what separates the Holy Black brand from uh, from other people who are trying to do something similar? What separates you guys to the, to some like other similar products or or I mean, companies? The,
1: the men's groom uh niche is the biggest growing, the largest growing, fastest growing niche in uh in america right now and it has been for the past like three or four years especially when the beard thing was really hot that was a huge uh boon to the industry but you got it like everywhere we go it's like another beard oil brand another beard brand another uh you know pomade brand pops up and like it's it's not listen the product has to be good that's very important that the product is good and everybody likes it but it's not just the product or the branding it's all about like getting people's attention and it's important that they see see at the beginning we were like let's just you know make the product speak for itself but i think that the the number one thing our brand has going for it is us like i want our customers to know us and like get to know what we're doing and like see the back end and we're trying to be like super transparent and i just feel like it's important that they get to see that we're a small business. We're not just like some huge corporate conglomerate and we try to stay that way. You know what I mean? So I think that the relationships are, are really important too, especially even with our barbershops. Like we know all the barbershops that buy product from us There's almost 500 of them. You know what I mean? And like, we know all those guys, man, goes out and visits them when he can. And like we talk on the phone and we've met them at shows and like all that stuff, like keeping it like tight, like that is really important. What else do you think? no yeah i mean what you're saying is exactly
2: on like the the re- keeping relations and not being like trying to blow it up to the point where it's corporate and sticking our products in walmart and the products in- i'm like we're literally the only pomade company that you can't get on amazon you, anywhere. Walmart. you can only get it from us or at a barbershop and like our barbershops know like i also won't sell to the barbershop around the block from you and like i like you said i have i've created personal relationships with everyone we work with and everyone like we don't have any sales rep we don't have any distribution every single shop that we're in i literally reached out personally or talked to them yeah called them on the phone and built a relationship with them and just keep it 100 percent real and like i'm doing business because i think we're like-minded i think we're a good fit for each other not just trying to shove my product in any hole in the wall like i we stay true to what we believe in and we stick to it and our cus our customers the people that that mess with us, they know that. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's why they respect us. And they know that their customers can't go on their phone when they sit in the barbershop and order the product they have on their shelf for a cheaper price on Amazon. Like all those little things really, really matter. I really believe that building genuine relationships
1: is the art of business. It really is. And it makes the job more fun because all those people are our friends. I can go to I can go to almost any state in this country and like I got people I can like stay with, like, that's how tight a lot of these shops are with us. And like, you know, when we have parties, people fly out to come and see us and like, well, they drive down from Rhode Island to Massachusetts. Like, I don't know, there's there's nothing like having like a whole bunch of brand new friends all the time. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, How important do you think throwing events and going to events is or like to the brand?
1: I mean, I think we made a name for ourselves at major hair shows amongst big brands, just by showing up, we would put guys in vests and like we would all dress alike and like, you know, like try to just get our name out there. When you go to a big event, like a hair show for our industry, but whatever your industry is, like go to these big conventions and things like that. If you do something over the top, we always try to go over the top. Our booth is handmade, everything, you know, we try to go over the top wherever we go. So the people see us, they see what we're up to and they come over and say, what do you, what's the deal here? Like, what is this? Like, I want to know, you know what I mean? Like with, whether we bring like the prize wheel, the giant, we made a built a giant prize, like whatever it is that we're doing that weekend, you know, whether it's a tattoo convention, a hair show, a barber convention, like we did a barber convention, we brought professional skateboarders and set up ramps or like whatever it is. You got to show up to it. Don't just go there and, and go talk to people, go there. And like, you have a plan, you know, and that's the best way to, to go to events. And then when you throw events, Maddie will tell you about throwing events. Really. Yeah. And even, even going
2: to events is so crucial to like, if you know your brand and you know your demographic and you know, the people that are your customers, like at Moto Jam is a perfect example. Like, like I met you there and we're here years later, still talking. And that was like, every single time I went to an event and to this day, every single time I go to an event, I leave that event with making one contact that was worth the whole event you know what i mean and like so that's what so is getting out there finding your customers and showing like you know if if you have a brand that's based around hot rods and motorcycles and skateboarding and tattoos and all these things and then you go to all these shows you're like you're expanding your horizon like you can go to hair shows and you can get like your wholesale customers and stuff but then you want to get your retail customers the people that are going to be your customers for life you go there and like he said you show up like I we go to I can't tell you how many events we've been to, and every vendor booth has a vinyl banner and like a tablecloth with yeah. like their name on it, and they're hyped on. That big I mean? wood tablecloth, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And and then we come there and we build like it literally takes me four hours to build my booth. It looks like a log cabin, and like it's all hand painted canvas signs and like you know what I mean. So like. When, you, when people leave, it gives them like social currency, it gives them something to talk about when they left. Like, did you see, like, did you see that one thing? You know, I'm always trying to bring one thing that like resonates with people, you know? And then throwing events is the same thing. Is like bringing all these people in. You have and, a lot more control. Yeah, and exposing them to what you're capable of. And we like to throw like, like really wild, like just Weird. bizarre type of events. Again, just to give people something to talk about. Like when we do events, I always hire sideshow performers that come and they're like, it could be like bingo or whatever. And these guys like swallowing swords and there's girls hanging from chains. But like, it just, it's like when you go over the top and like, and then on top of that, you get the whole media aspect. Like media is king. Everybody knows like you need to be creating content and there's no better way to create content than to throw an event. Than to actually do stuff. Like
1: yeah. people trying to create content out of nothing. You might as well do stuff. Do yeah. fun stuff and document it and get it on video.
0: So I wanted to talk about since you're talking about media, I want to talk about the commercials and the promos that you guys come up with. Um they're really <laughs> well shot. Everyone should go check them out if you haven't seen them yet. They're all amazing. Um, so how does how does the ideas come up with these like for these commercials? Is it something that is like thought of before the product or is it like after the product's made? Like how does how do those ideas for the commercials and the promos where does that come from?
1: Just heavy brainstorm sessions. Like that's really what we do. Me, me and him aren't always in the office a lot together. But when we are, we're pretty much just working on. When we're together, we're working on brainstorming ideas. Whether it's for media, we have a media night, and uh, Box Visuals comes through, and because uh, he can tell us what he's capable of. So a lot of times he comes up with wild stuff, and I'm like, we're not doing that. He,
2: <laughs> to be honest, he's an absolute genius. He really is he's box. Something. He really Is one of the biggest assets that we have. He's one of the reasons why we have any of the exposure that we have um, he's he's a media piece He can
1: just, he has his finger on the pulse of trends. He can do amazing things with very little uh, equipment. Like he rolls like we roll. He comes in and he's like running gun. He doesn't need to, doesn't bring in light, like lights. And you know, we've worked with other videographers. We had one, the first video we ever did, the guy came in, he laid track. In a barbershop, so we could have a dolly come through it took him all day to set it up we got one shot we got 12 people saw the video and i'm like never again we had to pay him like all this money and then box Visual shows up with like a the first time he ever came through he had an iphone on a gimbal and i'm like who is this kid and man, he <laughs> goes trust me he's amazing i'm like get him out of here he comes in he shoots this video when i saw the video i was like holy cow this kid is a genius and he's been with us ever since and He's only gotten better and better and better. Now he's doing like the AI stuff, the videos, of the AI, and he's blowing up. And like, you need to have somebody who works on your level. You know, like you could spend a whole day shooting. Box comes in in an hour. Like sometimes, just get the shot. Do the do what you need to do to get the shots and put out as much media as you can. You know, uh, yes. don't waste your time.
0: Definitely. Um. So I wanted to ask you, what are what are some of the challenges you guys face as entrepreneurs? Just for other people to to relate to, you know.
2: I think the biggest challenge of being an entrepreneur is not like you know if you have a conventional job, you have like direction. And being an entrepreneur, and being your own boss, you you have to you have to like there's no one telling you what to do next. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the biggest challenge, and that's what like sets apart um, good entrepreneurs from bad entrepreneurs. Just like being able to to have the um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? the discipline to to know what's next and to do what's next and not do the easiest route, but do what like comes next,
1: what's the actual next step opposed to what you want to be do next, right Because right. sometimes you slip and you start just doing the easy, quick tasks just to get them out of the way mm-hmm. that are right in front of your face and you lose sight of the big picture.
2: Mm-hmm. but i I find for me personally, that is always like the biggest challenge this that it's like, like, there's always things to do, and you're always working on the next thing, but you never know, like, if you're going in the right direction or what, like, you know, you're kind of just, like, throwing a bunch of stuff to the wall and see what sticks, you know? And, like, it's, it's the fun part of it, but that's that's definitely a challenge.
1: Yeah, and also, technology is changing so quickly. Like, we're always trying to be on top of the next trend and the next, like, where do we need to be? Like, what's the new the new social media coming out? Is it this? Is it TikTok? Is it Lemonade? Is it, what? you know, yeah. like, where do I need to be focusing my – my media machine at too you know and like mm. things change now with ai things are going to change even faster and like you know th- things are you, you just gotta it's hard to stay on top like it's not like this is the 1950s where things you know with the industrial revolution like with the technology things happen overnight like tomorrow they could shut down instagram you know what i mean yeah. or you know they changed the instagram algorithm and now you have to change your whole whatever was working before is not working anymore so you have to always be trying new stuff
0: so what's some advice, because this show is geared towards people who are entrepreneurial. What's some advice for someone who hasn't yet taken that leap and is thinking about taking that leap? What's some advice you guys could give to those people out there who, you know, who are on the edge? This
1: is my – this is the one that I always tell people is when you start, pick one product, one product, test it thoroughly in the market, whether it's with landing pages, email signups, whatever you want to do one product test it it looks good then go forward but when you start doing line extension and adding lots of products and a whole lot a lot of people want to start with a product line which you know i started with aftershave then i added soap and then things got out of hand and now when when it's time to restock 25 30 products now you have to have the capital to meet minimums for 35 products you know what i mean so um you got to be careful how how you grow your product line so start with one product make it work and then move on from there i think that's a really good good piece of information for anyone you want to get into like e-commerce
2: i think personally i think that the um the what was the question again
1: what some advice for someone who wants to start
2: uh yeah so i think the, the most important thing is that you go into something with passion behind it because mm. if you are not passionate it's real easy to throw the towel in. when you have and like there's going to be times that you're going to want to throw the towel in. so if you don't have the passion behind it it makes it that much easier but if you have the passion it pushes you to keep moving forward so like find something that like not only that you might be smarter than the average person in like a, whatever that niche may be but find something that like when, when you're in it like you know you're having a good time exactly
0: mm. uh i have a couple more questions for you guys but Everybody who's watching live right now, you guys could fill out the form, ask the Holy Black a question yourselves. I'm going to be asking them your questions at the end very shortly. So ask your question. The form is in the chat. You guys can ask your question right now. But um, I have a couple more questions for you guys. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys have a favorite project, each of you, that you've worked on?
1: You go first. Um, I You know, the Vampire Hunter kit. Is my number one because it was something I always like. We've talked about looking at old, real antique ones, and it looks so much. There's one like right next to me right now. This it looks so much like a real antique. Like that's the one where we put the fake spider webs in it uh, with the glue, uh, the glue gun, and then we then we covered them all in dust and then we wrapped them in brown paper. And it really is and look like has a real piece of garlic and a real oak steak. And it, it is a vampire hunter kit, and it's also the product. And I don't know, that that was the most fun to make too. It was like we had all our friends in here. Um, you know, it's either that or black magic. I think black magic was my favorite fragrance that we have, that we ever made. Yeah. But my
2: favorite project, I think, would have to say the grease gun. The grease gun. The grease gun was probably my favorite. Just because like it's, like that's like old oil and gas and like stuff like that is just like my favorite. And the way that came out with the old gold um I, I would have to say that would have to be. Yeah, a, that's
1: all based on like old oil cans and sprayers and stuff that we have in the shop that we i just kind of ripped off old old designs from and it really looks like something you would
0: have bought in like the late 30s
1: and uh that was a cool project. We're going to probably do that one in a little bit of a different style.
0: Yeah, those are both awesome awesome projects. Um so I want to ask you guys I want to ask you guys um one other question, and then we're gonna to get to the questions from the from the chat. My question was how. So, how do you come up, come up with the fragrances? Is it like just experimenting, or is it like how do you come up with a smell? Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm so, I, how do you design <laughs> a smell? I don't understand how that works. I always wanted to know. <laughs> I guess I'll feel that. Um,
1: so, in when you're building fragrances, I mean. There, become a to become a real perfumer you have to go you have to have a, a chemistry uh master's degree to get into a perfumery school so like you know I'm an amateur perfumer you know what I mean I'm not uh you know I'm not working for Tom Ford over here um what I do is I buy every single fragrance I can get my hands on so I have over 1200 fragrances in my fragrance library I have fragrance oils I have aroma chemicals I have terpenes i have essential oils um i have resins sometimes i i even distill my own fragrance in a steam distillation setup um but i'm not doing major chemistry like i i learned a few things and i've read a lot of books on it and then what i do is i make i pretty much come up with the idea that we want well me and Maddie will come up with the idea for the fragrance and then i'll order even more fragrances online that are kind of in line with that and then We'll smell them all and say, I love this. I don't love this. And me and him will do like a lab uh, a lab night where we kind of smell all the things that I'm thinking about putting in this fragrance. And then I layer them different ways. Um, and then you have to let them sit and let them kind of marinate and then check them again, you know, maybe a week later at least to, to really see how they work together. Then you need to wear them. And I put these in little bottles and I label them with numbers. And then you need to wear them and see like certain fragrances dry down and they disappear and certain ones linger and some have better silage than others. So it's really just experimenting. And then you kind of get to know the fragrances that you've worked with before, and you know what you have in your library and everything's separated in chords. And you just kind of, you know, layer it up and build different fragrances. And then for me, it's really which one smells the best, which one lasts the longest, and which one goes with the theme that we're going for. Sometimes I get a single note fragrance and I'm like, I love this so much. Maybe just a little bit of smoke or a little bit of, you know, um, something powdery would really set this off. Like with the, with the Durban poison that we just did, um, the terpenes were very like lemon, lime, citrus, grapefruit, um, and pine. It's so like alpha pinene, um, D-limonene, uh, ter- terpenoline, and then, but it didn't have that kind of like dank. I hate to say cat pee. <laughs> like rhubarb you know what i mean the types of fragrances that you know you want for cannabis that kind of give it that hmm. that dank fragrance so I, I used actual um fragrance from a rhubarb which had that bitter you know so you know you just kind of like come up with ideas and try them and and uh you know that's how we build fragrances anyway here we
0: you know it's amazing I've, i always yeah. wanted to know <laughs> thank you for letting me know um so we go, we do this thing on the show at the end where we go through like five favorites, just a quick quick not thinking too much about it, like quick thing, and then we ask then we get the questions from the form of that people filled out. We got a bunch of questions lined up already. You but do? let's let's go through the five faves real quick. Uh favorite pizza topping.
1: Pepperoni, I guess if I had to have a topping. I'm on to do like a straight regular regular slice. Me too. Regular Cheese slice?
2: Pizza.
1: Don't put nothing <laughs> on my pizza.
2: Favorite gardens if you got it.
0: Uh favorite car. 1951 Lincoln.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's hard. 250 GTO Ferrari has always been my favorite car, but like, I don't know. I like 1949 to 51 two-door mercs chopped. That's where I'm at right now. But like in a month from now, I'll be into vans, you know. Where are you
2: at with that? I mean, I like to stick with like an early traditional Model A coupe or roadster. I like yeah, 28 Uh
0: Favorite cartoon growing up? Felix. Felix
1: the cat? Uh, I was like a Smurfs kid, I think. I'm older. I'm 42. I'm like, I was the last with Smurfs.
0: Uh, favorite place you've ever been? Buzios. Buzios, <laughs> Brazil. Me too uh favorite color black yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was just a fun one <laughs> that was like everything that was just a fun one for you for you guys all right uh now we're gonna take some questions for everybody who's watching live yo i just want to give a huge shout out huge huge shout out to everyone watching live really really appreciate you if you didn't yet hit that like button um so we're gonna run through the questions real quick uh, first question: coffee or tea?
1: Coffee, black. Agreed.
0: All right. Next question we have Oops. here. <laughs> <laughs> Next question we have here. Uh, biggest inspiration.
1: Biggest inspiration.
0: That's the question. Yeah. Big Al, man,
1: got to be Big Al for me. What do you got? you You with me. I'm answering these.
0: Oh, God. Uh, one dead musician you would love to see live or meet?
1: Ooh, Jimmy? Jimi Hendrix? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm a Jimi Hendrix fan. All right. Willie Nelson, it. he's alive. But I still want to hang out with him.
0: <laughs> this one's from uh the homie Smooth Craig. It's awesome to see two bros working together. I'm on a new journey working with my sister with our new brand, Cornish Haze, in the UK. My question to you both, do you fall out or is it just a sister thing? <laughs> My sister is a slave dryer. I'm the one who has the cabinet joinery for 27 years. It's great to meet you on here. So he wants to yeah. know pretty much, do you guys ever have fall out, fallen out while we're having to work together?
2: I mean, it's inevitable. You spend enough room, uh, enough time in a room with anybody, after a long time, people get on your nerves. I mean, but as long as you can push through and not hold the grudges, that's the only thing that matters.
1: That's the thing, neither one of us hold grudges. So like we'll get we'll get into, we'll it. Get we'll get into it. it. We'll get them. Like, oh, wait, I'll hit them up. I'm like, let's go get dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds, like, kind of big. That that sounds like that sounds like over here too. Um so you work for your brother, don't you? Yes, that's <laughs> that's what I was saying. It sounds yeah. like, sounds exactly like here. All right, this question's from A and T. Tell us this cool story about Big Al. <laughs>
1: Big Al. What's a good story about Big Al? Oh, yeah, give a good Big Al story. I know. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> all right, so Big Al, he lived in Florida when we were kids. <laughs> and yeah, he was bringing, he'd bring me down, I'd just fly down there as a kid, and he used to have a, a mail truck, like a, a Grumman Jeep, and he would let me, five years old, he used to let me drive it around the neighborhood. And uh, he would, like, teach me how to play golf and all, and put me on the roof of the house. But one of the main things he he painted everything rhinestone. gold, and and like metallic silver with rhin- and he would rhinestone everything. All the rocks outside of his house were rhinestone. All the all the Jesus statues on the front lawn were rhinestone and spray painted gold and yeah. silver. And one time the neighbors they thought there was like a a UFO or something was freaking out, and it was a a giant tortoise that he had spray painted gold or silver. And he let it loose in the neighborhood. Like, <laughs> it can't be good for the turtle covered in rhinestones. Like, you know, like to be painted gold or silver and, and covered in rhinestones. But the thing, like, wandered around the whole neighborhood. Like, the police came and everything. Like, they didn't know what the hell it was. So that's a good big house story, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's hilarious. Yeah, like a little pencil
1: mustache. He was the coolest.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, And another question we have is from Andrew Bergen. What is the nonprofit you run and how can we help support if we're local?
1: So um, we have a, our nonprofit is called the Order of the Holy Black, the Holy Black Brotherhood. It's actually a social club. Um, we do have a 501c3 that we do use for when we run charity events, but we also are a 501c10, which is a social club. Um, the only way to, to, I mean, you can always support by coming to our events, um, you know, and, you know, we do, donations for we did uh, wounded warrior recently we do uh we really focus on men's mental health things like that but um we do have open houses you come down to a meeting uh come to one of our events and um you know we're always looking for new members if you're if you're local
0: sounds good um all right i think let me check one more time if there's any other questions i think that's the last question but um i just want to know like What's next for you guys? Do you have any future plans? Any maybe sneak peeks or leaks that or like maybe you know some that people yeah, I got something could, can you know it. about? Yeah, like what what's what what's going on? About? What's next? We
2: actually uh um, this is we haven't said this to anybody. No one knows anything about it besides me and him, but we are I can just show you. What is it?
0: Oh, I'm excited. I
2: don't even know what he took. Oh <laughs> yeah. So we're doing a collaboration with uh Pat Blue Ribbon. Uh we just got an okay ahead and do it so we're taking one of their vintage pbr cans which is right here what? and then we we squished it down and we made it into a pomade so this is what the pomade's gonna look like wow. i don't know if you can see that but like here's yeah. the so That's yeah so it's a P-
1: yeah it's pretty yeah, dope going into production probably next week and then uh we'll be offering them for sale on the site on the uh at the barbershop and then at a few select places through paps so. and we'll send you one
0: Yo, that is so sick. PBL. I want to do yeah. a big
1: shout out to you for doing this
2: show. It's pretty cool what you're doing. You're, Yo, you do. Know, Yo, th- making up the media to get passed out to uh, fellow. Yeah, we were
1: saying before we came on the show, like you're the biggest hustle that we know. Like since you've been like, we've been following you and you've been following us for like almost ten years, and like you're always hustling. You always got stuff going on and. Uh, I think, I think it's great, man. I yeah, hyped nah.
0: up. Hype up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to give a huge shout out to you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much. You you guys are actually one of the first people on my list of people when I wanted to do this show since meeting you. Um, and I wanted you guys to definitely be on here to hype other people up because you guys definitely hyped me up. So I, I wanted other people to get hyped up as well. Um, so where can people find you? Um, and where can people follow you? Where can people buy, buy I mean, Holy black? We're the
1: Holy black, we're the Holy black everywhere. So you can search anywhere and type in the Holy black anywhere. And you'll find us. We got Instagram is where we're probably most active. We have a YouTube channel here, um, with lots of old stuff and new stuff. And, um, I think that's, you know, the HolyBlack.com. If you want to are little products, um, sign up for our newsletter and our SMS and you get, uh, you get a lot of deals there and like exclusive stuff. And I think our next event, our next big event is going to be having a car show here in Lindenhurst, New York. It's going to be probably the biggest car show that the island's ever seen. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I think it's July 23rd. It's on a Sunday. So if you want to come down and, and meet the Holy Black Brotherhood, meet us, hang out, see some cool cars, you know, that's a great time to come out and, and uh, meet the family. You know, do an after party here at the compound
0: that sounds awesome that sounds really really dope um once again i want to say thank you to the holy black you guys for being here showing some love and getting people hyped up and letting people know a little bit more about uh the brand and a little more insight about everything you guys do and running the show and everything like that i just want to say thanks again and thank you everyone who watched live right now if you're catching the replay hope you guys enjoy it um and thank you again so much guys and Thank shout you, out to man. everyone watching. We'll yeah, talk Thank to you soon. You. That was great. And um we'll catch you guys on the next Hype It Up show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in and peace out, guys. Peace.